Hey friends, Thanksgiving will be here before we know it. It's hard to believe, I know. Now, do you want to have truly a grateful holiday season instead of a grumbly one? Well, I'm so excited about my new resource, The Grumble Free Year. It's available for pre-order now. If you go to thegrumblefreeyear.com, there's links to all the places you can pre-order it. And if you do, right there on that website, thegrumblefreeyear.com, you can sign up to get some free bonuses. And that includes some color sheets that you can print up. I actually use these very scripture sheets to teach my kids scriptures about not grumbling. There's also a gratitude journal that you can use during this holiday season. Now, it's online, so kids, even little kids, can draw their pictures of things that they're grateful for. The fun thing is, with our family, we put it inside of a binder, and then I'm going to, every year, add another set of this journal. So this will be a keepsake for us. We can print them up, write things we're grateful for, write 2019 on it. Next year, we'll have 2020, and over the years, we can look back and see the things that we were grateful for. So I hope you check out those free bonuses at thegrumblefreeyear.com. And I know if you want to be grateful instead of grumbling, I know this book is for you too. Okay, friends, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while, or if you have connected with me online, you might think Trisha is such a nice person. And I try to be, I try to be kind and respectful to people. But talk to my kids and they will tell you that there are times I am a mama bear. I have a couple different shirts that say mama bear on it. And to me, it's the person who will stand up, talk to their kids if their um, kids aren't doing what they should or talk to other parents if they see um, maybe another child being a bully. I will stand up. I have pulled over before as I've seen kids um abusing, throwing rocks, calling names to other kids on the side of the street, I have pulled over and given them a mama bear talk because I know that it is our job to protect our kids, to prepare our kids for the future. Now, I homeschool and I will tell you that one of the reasons I homeschool isn't just because, you know, I want to give them a biblical foundation. I want them to have that relationship with me, but in a way, it is to protect my kids from so much stuff out there. Now, they are still going to get it. We don't live in a bubble, but I know that they will get less um, influence from the world if I have them within my home. And I think so many years as homeschoolers, I've been homeschooling for 25 years. Let that sink in. 25 years. Um, so for so many years, for so many generations of homeschoolers, we have focused on protecting our kids, sheltering them until they're prepared to go into the world. But we have also been doing a disservice by just shielding them, by just trying to protect them. Because no matter who they are, where they live, whether in inner city, Little Rock or rural Montana, places I've lived, they're going to face stuff when we get into when they get into the world. So only protecting them for a time is a short-term solution. We also need to prepare our children so they aren't left unprotected for the future. And um, in her book, which we're going to be talking with the author today, the author is Hillary Morgan Verr, and we're going to be talking about Mama Bear Apologetics. 
And in her book, she says this, the greatest protection we can give our kids is to equip them to face the cultural lies head on while remaining gracious, loving, and winsome. And I'm going to read that again because I think it's so important. The greatest protection we can give our kids is to equip them to face the cultural lies head on while remaining gracious, loving, and winsome. And we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about training our kids to understand um, apologetics. And we'll even be mentioning what that word means. Some of you might be saying, what, Apollo? I don't I don't understand that word at all, but we have to train our kids to know how to respond to the culture and to know the word of God and to understand that knowledge is in the word of God. It's not like the college have the knowledge and we just have faith. We need them to understand how their faith, how God applies to the real world. I'm excited to talk to Hillary today, I will tell you, like when I'm reading through her book, I am underlining, I'm circling things. I think it is so vital. And it reminds me that, yes, while it's good to be mama bear and kind of try to protect my kids from the bullies, I need to prepare their minds for all that they will face when they step out into the world as adults, as teens, even as kids. So we'll be talking about all this today on Walk It Out. You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, I am excited to welcome a new friend to walk it out today. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'll just say we're going to be talking about her book in a little bit, and I'll tell you the title and all that soon. But I picked up this book. I was just going to... Uh, read a little bit and then I ended up getting swept away all of a sudden I forgot that I had all these kids in the house I needed to take (laughs) care of so it was really great so I want to welcome my new friend Hillary Morgan Ferrer and welcome Hillary thank you so much for having me okay so like I mentioned okay the book is Mama Bear Apologetics and um, before we jump into that I want you to tell a little bit about yourself but before you do that I certainly sat down a couple hours ago, going to start skimming through the book, going over the interview questions. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is like serious. Like, I need to order these resources. Like, we need to do something with our family. <laughs> so I would say, like, it impacted me already. Wow. But before we jump into the topic, let's start talking about you. Um, just start by telling my listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. Golly, that's a really broad question. You want to be a little more specific? (laughs) I was born at a very young age. And uh, uh, what would you what specifically would you like to know? Just a little bit about your life and then how you got interested in this topic. Okay, so just in in apologetics in general, uh, most anyone who reads the book will know that I was actually introduced to that when I was 12. And uh, all the stuff that I hear people in youth groups or, or youth pastors or pastors saying, oh, you know, you can't talk about the deeper stuff with the kids, they won't follow or they won't get interested. And I say, you know, 
Heck no, that's exactly when you need to be talking to them because that was just really a life-changing moment when I realized that my Christian faith wasn't something that I just had to take on blind faith and it wasn't something that I believed in because it was cultural, you know, culturally reinforced or because my parents believed. I, I just remember my little hands scribbling as many notes as I could when our pastor was going through evidences for the resurrection uh, back when I was 12 and I was hooked from then on just... Um, just just looking looking into this faith that we really spent our lives around and saying, is this actually true? So uh, fast forward a little bit. I, um, I was uh, very interested in science. So I did partially science and partially art. I have like about, I think I actually, uh, I think I, I, I sat down and grafted out one day and realized about half of my life has been spent doing science and about the other half has been spent doing art. And now I'm doing apologetics full time, but I, I find that the uh, the science and the art kind of go hand in hand with with doing this ministry. But um, I met my husband uh, after I had been in photography school and he our first date was like so romantic. It was uh, William Lane Craig, God and Time and the Cosmological Argument out at Bible <laughs> University. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, I always say it was nerd love from the beginning. So we kind of got married knowing that the purpose for our marriage was we wanted to be in ministry together. And through ups and downs, through through cancer, through childlessness, through my sister's death, through a lot of things. Um, last year, joblessness, you know, our, our, the company we work for got sold. We've just been able to not only cling to each other, but cling to Christ. But also we, we could have that foundation of clinging to Christ because we know that it's not a crutch that we believe in because it makes us more comfortable. It's something we believe in because we actually believe it's true. Um, and that right there is really grounded, grounded our marriage, grounded our faith, grounded our everything. And so um, that's how I got into apologetics in general. Now, the mama bear apologetics is a is a, a different story, but I don't know if you want that one or not. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tell me. Tell me about that. OK, so um I have always been a bit of a dad. I've been, well, I've been, I'm very much a daddy's girl. So I, w he and I have a lot of the same interest. I was used to being in different things. The only woman in the room, it never, never really made a difference to me or at the time, the only girl in the room. Uh, I found out at one point that apologetics was something that a lot of women weren't as interested in. And in fact, there was a lot of women out there who wouldn't read something unless it was written by a woman for women. And I thought, that's where all the women in apologetics are. They, just, <laughs> they don't have that voice. And so it, not yeah. only was it women in apologetics, but I thought, who's talking to the moms? Every single church conference I ever went to, uh, they always had childcare, except for apologetics conferences. And then all of a sudden, it's like, nope, sorry, too bad. No childcare for this one. Well, of course, you're not going to get women into apologetics. So I had no idea that this was going to be my calling. I never expected it because, like I said, um, I had kind of cancer during my peak childbearing years and so uh, and just some other health problems that adopting wasn't really a good idea for us. And uh, when I felt the Lord kind of calling me to this, it was several sleepless nights that I, I just literally could not sleep. And I had this phrase, mama bear, going through my head. And so I thought, you know what, if I can just write this down, I'll be able to sleep. So I got up and grabbed a notebook and just started writing all this stuff. And this went on for days. Um, I mean, obviously, I would finally be able to stop and go to sleep. And then the next night I couldn't sleep and I just had to write. And I had an entire notebook basically with the whole ministry laid out. And I remember looking at it at the end going, huh, that's so that's different. And I kind of told the Lord, Lord, I think you've called the wrong person. I'm not a mom. There's not a mom out there that's going to listen to me. 
uh, because I don't have kids. And he said, you know what? You have something that they don't have. You have Mm -hmm. time to research. And I thought, well, that's true. And so he said, if the if the best mom you can be is to help prepare other moms, and then you have been a mom. That's that is the absolute best mom you can be, and that's the kind of mom I've called you to be. Is you're going to be a mother of spiritual children. So that's how Mama Bear was was kind of birthed. And then the book, several years later, after being in the ministry, we just had a, a publisher approach us about writing a book. So, but uh, that's kind of the story there. I love that so much, and I love that how. You are. I mean, going through, I, I was underlining stuff. I was circling stuff. I'm like, this is so good. And it's not something I ever thought about with my kids. I have 10 kids, lots of kids. We adopted 10 kids. Seven. Sorry, that took yes. me a second. That's amazing. I love big families. <laughs> yes. So I'm in the middle of homeschooling. We just finished homeschooling for the day. I'm dealing with a child with anxiety today. I'm no. running to sit down with the interview. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I want some of these resources for our schoolroom. I'm going to dig in more. I mean, it's, it was so good, but you're right. The busy moms, it's so hard to think about what's important, but what I made me think about is, you know, it, it, you talk about, like we talk about the Bible, but what about apologetics? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's so little. And even growing up, I, my mom and my grandma became Christians when I was in about the second grade. Um, and then I grew up in church, but I had never heard the word apologetics at all until I'd been married a couple of years. Most so people haven't. Like, Half the people yeah. out there still haven't. So don't feel like <laughs> you're too late yeah. to the party. And, but I'm like, okay, this is important stuff. And, you know, I make sure we're reading the Bible stories where I'm making sure all these things, but thinking about like what they really need to know and that they're facing a world out there that is going to speak everything against the Bible. Mm-hmm. How are they going to stand up to that? So um, first of all, just for those who maybe are like me, who are like, what's this apologetics things? Let's just start with that basic thing. Oh, um, yeah. What is apologetics? That's a great place to start because uh, I think we get the same question so much that I actually made it a subtitle in the book, which is a Apollo what? What are we apologizing for? <laughs> uh, just because people hear the word and they immediately think apology. And it, it does kind of come from it. They have the same root. But the, uh, the word apologetics comes from the Greek word apologetics which meant to give a defense or to give a reason for something. Now, this isn't being defensive um, or to give an argument for something. There's a lot of different kind of, you know, words within that same class. It's not being argumentative, despite some of the apologists, maybe some people have met, not supposed to be (laughs) argumentative, uh, and you're not being defensive, but it's giving reasons for what you believe. So it's like if you had a mom that's asking another mom, what babysitter would you recommend? that mom is going to probably have one that they recommend and they're going to have reasons why they recommend that babysitter. None of them's going to be like, well, I've never met her, but I'm sure she'd be great. Um, and then really try to advocate for it. It's like the more reasons you have behind something, the more conviction you have and the more you're going to be a proponent for, for that thing. In this case, the Christian faith, it's like, you know, we hear guys talking about their favorite sports teams uh, and they have a thousand and one reasons for that. How much more should we have reasons for the the thing on which we place our eternal destiny? That is so good. I love that. And especially when I was reading in your book, just how many youth end up leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you said like 46 to 48 percent of um, once they become adults, young adults, they end up leaving the church. They leave their faith. And that just blows me away. I have three adult kids. 
Um, thankfully, they all serve God. They all oh, love God. And it came, you know, we had these these times where it's definitely sitting around the table talking about things and why about this and what do you think about this? And so I guess we were kind of doing the politics. It sounds like you were really intentional even. with it. You you didn't just kind yeah. of allow, I think I think what's happening right now is people are thinking that culture is going to reinforce Christianity for them. I mean, after all, it worked with us, but you know what? Christianity was a cultural phenomenon when I was a kid. It's, I remember my freshman year in college, there would be girls that would go out and party and then they get all dressed up the next day to go to lunch. So it looked like they were going from church because that was the culturally uh, appropriate mm. thing to do. Nowadays, uh, we have so many people that have decided that God is a moral monster and religion is the pathway to just basically all the problems in this world, and they want nothing to do with it. So this thing that we thought was going to culturally reinforce itself is not doing that anymore, but people are still kind of treating their kids the way they were treated when they were a kid. And we can't do that anymore. It's a completely different world. Yeah, it is such a different world. And we've had so many friends that their adult kids have walked away from the faith, which is just heartbreaking because I think they're doing the right things. We have Christian school. We have all, you know, we have a Bible study. Awana, I mean, all mm -hmm. the things we think we're doing right with our kids. And then all of a sudden we're like, how can they not believe? But really we didn't get to the root of what these beliefs are. So, you know, because a lot of my listeners are parents, how do we talk to them and help them explain like why this is important to take time for this and to, um, I guess they have to prepare themselves before they can even talk to them. Yeah. Kids. Well, I think a lot of the real traditional apologetics books, and this, 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 uh, does go into your question. The traditional apologetics books are going to go either, I call it the evidential route where it's talking about evidences for the resurrection, evidences for God, evidences for truth and stuff like that. And those are really important, but what we're seeing more and more is we're having these foundational beliefs that are actually eroding even their ability to trust those answers. And that's actually why we did the book that we did is because I, I said, I don't want to just be answering the questions. I want to say, why? Why are they, they asking these questions in the first place? And more often than not, it's because there's some worldview that is undergirding everything that is actually causing the questions, stuff like... Uh, scientism, which says that science is the only way to knowledge. So when a kid says, um, are, are science and, and Christianity at faith, that question itself is coming from somewhere. That question is coming from this idea that uh, science and the natural world are the only means to knowledge. And so we need to address that even before we get to the questions. Yeah, that is so good. And you, you talk about, you know, talking about those questions and um, one of the things you talk about is linguistic yes. theft. So explain what that means. Because I think this is like, I'm seriously reading this book, being blown away, like, we don't even talk about this. <laughs> this is so important. So explain uh, it. That, that's actually a chapter I've had the most people react to because it's basically something that they've noticed, but they didn't quite know how to put it into words. Uh, linguistic theft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so linguistic theft is basically when culture takes words, and, and specifically what I'm referring to is Christian kind of words or Christian virtues or Christian concepts, concepts like love and tolerance and unity, stuff like that. They basically take that, that idea, that concept, they give it a new definition and then they put it back in our kids' faces and say, your religion teaches you're supposed to love. Well, why aren't you doing the loving thing? And by the way, this is how we define love. And it's something that's completely an unbiblical definition of love, but our kids don't know, hey, we're working with two different definitions of love. So all they know is I'm supposed to love. People tell me this is what's, you know, what's loving. 
And they just kind of follow suit and they follow culture and they don't realize that they're being taken down an unbiblical path being bait and switched by a biblical sounding word. Yeah, that is so good. I love how you brought the example of love because the Bible's definition of love is very different than what the world says love is. (laughs) Very different. Yeah. And I know even just even in language, I read a lot of books um, from published in like the 1940s with my kids. And this is like, this doesn't apply to apologetics, but even words like it'll talk about someone being gay yeah. <laughs> and the kids are like, oh. and I'm like, no, this is happy. Like this is written in the forties. Yeah. This is what I mean. And I'm having to re-explain. And this is, and my kids that I'm reading out loud to are between the ages of eight and 11. So they've already heard these mm-hmm. words, but I'm having to say, actually, this is what this writer meant by this word back then. So that's just, uh, you know, talking about a children's book, even more so when we're talking about the Bible mm-hmm. and these words that, that um, you know, of course, 50 years ago, everyone had a basic understanding of what those words were. And I never thought about it before, how the words, even the definitions are changed by society. Yep. yep. So when, when we're talking about this, like how can parents even start addressing these things like when it comes to that and helping their kids understand the difference between justice and equality and authenticity um that those are words that the bible says one thing that are different than kind of what the world will say well i think one of the best things as parents that we can do is just kind of ask questions in order to stimulate a conversation like uh, there are there are endless endless teaching opportunities when you go through like a craft store or a, um, a, a craft fair or something like that. There is all sorts of nonsense printed on necklaces and T-shirts that just give you endless opportunities for teachable moments. And just asking them, what do you think that they mean by that word? How does the Bible define that word? What do you think they're meaning by it? And just kind of giving them the concept that, oh, there's this word and two different people might mean two different things. I think even even that concept that two people can say the same word and mean different things I don't think our kids even have that concept. And once they mm-hmm. start having that concept, they start knowing how to ask the right questions. When when they hear something that sounds fishy, but they're not sure why it's fishy, they can start asking, hmm, I wonder what they're meaning by that word. Like, for example, my husband and I were at the um, Iowa State Fair a couple of weeks ago, and there was a band on stage that was talking about, oh, we want to use our music to change the world. So we're here to talk about unity and love. And of course, John and I are listening to that and we started going, okay, unity with what? It's like unity and love sound wonderful, but it's like we were we were kind of joking about wanting to go talk to the band afterwards and say, so what? what's your message actually talking about unity with what? And they're probably going to say something like, oh, with people everywhere oh, okay, well, what about pedophiles? Should we be unified with them? Well, you know, probably not. What about, you know, spousal abusers? What about, you know, molesters? What about this? What about serial killers? You know, all these people, should we be unified (laughs) with them? And the thing that I discovered kind of in the midst of writing that blog is the concept of unity actually requires the concept of division because in order to be unified around one thing, you have to be divided from its opposite. So like if I want to be unified around love, that means I have to be divided from hate. If I want to be mm. unified around Christ, that means I have to be divided from people who um, hate Christ. There is there is yeah. appropriate division that needs to happen. But of course, the word division and divisive is always used in a negative sense. And so 
Um, that, that was just an example of something that, you know, if we'd had kids, we probably would have had that conversation. Or uh, when we were at a craft fair, there was this little necklace that said, um, the best things are all wild and free. And I have no idea. I'm not diabetic or anything. So I have no idea why this popped in my head. My first thought was, nah, I don't think I want my insulin to be wild and free. I'd like that one to be like <laughs> controlled and, you know, under wraps and wild and free, not so much. So it's like just seeing these statements um, and asking, what do you think they mean? And you can even make it a game, like like that little necklace. You could make it a game. What are some other things that you don't think should be wild and free? And, you know, a raccoon in your attic. That might be one. <laughs> um, and just find funny things. And they're going to enjoy finding that. They'll think about kids are so creative. They love thinking up ridiculous examples. So you find a really generic phrase. And then ask them for examples of when that's not true. And they will have a blast thinking up of examples of when that might not be true. And what that's doing is it's training them to listen for hollow sounding phrases. And in the future, when someone says something, they're going to, in their head, start going back to those games that they played with mom, where they try to think of all the instances where this absolute statement might not be true. That is so good. I'm just thinking of my teen girls and all the phrases that they come up with and they say that they see on their little YouTube, even like cooking videos. I'm like, what does that even mean? And they're like, it means this. I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, what is that? And I, I'm so excited about talking to them about these things because even, I mean, with every generation, they have their slang words. And I'm like, do you even know what that really I'm means? pretty sure like, fleek is a made up word for something to be, was oh. it on fleek? That had to have been made up. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Bougie is something my girls. Oh, bougie! That would be from bourgeois. I've had someone actually explain this to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, you know, fancy and like you cook cook us bougie food, not like Taco Bell. I'm like, (laughs) okay, I think that's a good thing, but I don't. I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) Thanks, girls. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So I, but I love the idea of that that these words that they are different, like people have the same words and they don't often understand even what they mean and really talk about the meaning. That's so good. And something that I could practically use with my kids. So let's talk about something else because I think this is a huge one. And I think this is the one that I hear the most with kids that leave the faith. And that has to do with science because mm-hmm. they think that science and Christianity are at odds and they go to a college, you know, they've been raised in church, they're in Christian school or whatever. They've homeschooled. I have a lot of homeschooling friends. And then they go to college and the science professors has the truth and the facts and they have a hard time with Mm -hmm. that. So let's talk about that because I know it's a myth, but I think it's hard for people to understand like how, especially in college, kids can just hear that, okay, this is the truth and this is the only way. Yeah. Well, I would say in, in terms of, you know, thinking that Christianity and and science are at odds, I think just a really good study of the scientific, scientific revolution is a great place to start where you look at the number of um, scientists that were really firmly committed to their faith. And that was how they did their science. In fact, it was the Judeo-Christian worldview that allowed science to flourish in the first place because beforehand you had people dealing with Greek gods, uh, you know, or other kind of pagan pagan mythologies where their gods were really just kind of almost like, uh, what's the word, kind of grumpy superhumans. It's like you had to appease them and they were fickle and sometimes they would just, you know, not let it rain because they're in a bad mood or they got in a fight with the other god. And so they didn't expect laws of nature to be consistent and predictable because their gods were not consistent and predictable. 
when the Judeo-Christian worldview came along, they said our God is consistent and predictable. It says that he is law-like. Uh, he changes not. So we have something we would expect that his creation would reflect the creator. So what are some of the things about the creator that we know? Uh, we know that he's eternal. We know that he is, um, uh, yeah, he, he, he's orderly. Uh, and, you know, we have something called the creative or the created order because what we see is orderly. We cannot expect that um, under under previous times. And that's why science flourished. So looking at a history of science, uh, I would say people like uh, Kepler and Pascal uh, just really incorporated or um, uh, Louis Pasteur. He, he I, I think I have him in the book where he negated the uh, idea of spontaneous generation. Now, his views on what was actually happening were kind of a little wacky, too. But he was at least saying life doesn't come from non-life spontaneously. Right. Uh, and so just, yeah, really a, a good history is all it takes to debunk that. Now, when it comes to the actual science, and this is this, I, I hope I don't step on many toes with this one. This one is my opinion that I think is a better way to go about it is I have seen kids get really confused because they have their their Christian uh, textbooks that are teaching them one thing and they have their science uh, their secular science textbooks teaching them something completely different and so it's not even dealing with alternate um, interpretations it's dealing with alternate facts and alternate evidence mm. and that's really confusing for a kid and the thing that I noticed I don't know if you know this I have my master's in biology. Uh, specifically because I wanted to be able to answer some of these questions, is I find that when you look at the papers that are coming out of the scientific establishment and you're looking at their evidence, there is still so much that points to a creator God that you can even use their yeah. evidence to point to the conclusion. It, it's because when, when you get two scientists that interpret things in two different ways, one of them can be interpreted with the philosophy of there is a creator and the other one's interpreted with the philosophy of there is not a creator, those two philosophies are on equal ground. There is not one that is more scientific than the other because they are both a philosophy. Um, and you can't have someone say, well, my philosophy is more scientific than yours. No, that's not how science works. Uh, so learning how to just interpret things better and use what secular academics are churning out to say, how would we interpret that if we're going to come from the side of a creator? And that way, kids are learning how to interpret. They're not learning to memorize a different set of facts. Yeah, that is so good. And I think that's really helped us. And I think with our older kids that are adults, we'd see something in the news, we're here about something. And, well, they proved this or they did this. And so we talk about, well, what does the Bible say? Can this be in line with God as a creator? And, you know, and, and just talk through these things. And I think that is so helpful. Yeah. And and I think what important thing is that as parents, we don't feel like we need to know all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we're never going to have all the answers. And I think that's the scary part, too. When kids ask these questions, like we can have to start the conversation. Well, I don't know all the answers, but let's look at this. Yeah, I think, you know, what does the Bible being say? Willing and, to and how study. can we think about this? Yeah. And I think one of the, I just want to throw this out there for any science-minded mamas out there. Um, I think one of the the uh, places where I've seen this where I just wanted to like stand up and cheer is something that I believe it's called the time gap problem. And it's basically looking at mutation rates and how long it takes for um, a particular mutation that is, you know, X number of, um, of amino acids in a sequence to be fixed in a population, meaning that becomes the normal one. And there's a scientist named John Sanford that was out of Cornell that uh, he and some colleagues did some research saying this is how many, you know, mil millions and billions of years it would take to just get these eight 
in a row to change. And what they had is they had secular scientists coming back and saying, no, it would take only two billion years. What they essentially did was said to even get this one protein to change would still take two billion years, which according to secular science, <laughs> there's not enough time for that. So it's like, okay, right. you're right. We're off on that. But thank you for providing that better interpretation because it still doesn't work. Right. Still doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's so many, so many good things that we talk about that. But yeah, just having the conversation, looking at resources yourself, trying to find materials that would help you together with your kids to answer some of these questions, yeah. um, I think is so important. But the important thing is let the kids know that they can come to you with the questions. Yes. And I think that's where the problem is too, because they come, kid, I mean, kids will come up with the questions. Like, but if they see us freaking out, like, I don't know, we don't, you like, you know, go ask someone else. Well, someone else will probably not tell oh, them. Oh, they'll the go right ask thing. the almighty <laughs> Google and get something that you probably don't want them, you know, if they're not asking yeah. you, it's not because they've stopped answering, they've stopped asking questions. They're still asking questions. They've just completely removed you from the conversation. And as much as you would like to, sometimes parents are like, stop asking me questions. As much as you would like to think you would like your kids to stop, trust me, you don't. Because <laughs> that means they're asking someone yeah. else and you have no idea what kind of answers they're getting. Oh, that is such a good point. And I love that. Yeah, the fact that they're asking you questions, it's a good thing. Like you have a relationship. They want to know. They want to know your thoughts. And so, yeah, this is, yeah, this don't feel like I'm so overwhelmed. Think like, well, this is overwhelming, but together <laughs> I want to be here. I want to be the one that they're coming to. And you're right. Like you said, the Google things that they're going to get are just going to definitely lead them down the wrong yeah, path. Yeah, not, not always the greatest. Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned that I'm a homeschooling mom. Um, but is homeschooling the only way that we can like work with our kids on this? See, that's, that's a hard one because it's like, um, if, if my husband and I had kids, we would probably homeschool. And we, we talked about that since we first got married, but that's just not practical for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, there, there, not only are you going to have parents that you have to have two working parents, but you're going to have some parents where, uh, they're single parents and that's just not a practical. It's like, okay, I'll just like drop off from society and just, sit here and teach my kid and have no money coming in. This ought to be great. Um, not everybody kind of has that leisure. Um, and so I think first off is uh, to take on the attitude that my pastor's wife growing up used to have. She, she would say this in reference to sex because she, she was always up for a good sex talk. But um, I would say it in reference to basically all the things that they're going to be learning in school. And that's this was what she would say. I don't want my kids hearing about anything that they haven't heard that they haven't heard in my kitchen first. Wow. That's and good. so this idea of what, what I love about the mama bear apologetics book. And then some of the other work that uh, my friend Natasha crane has done is bringing up these objections to Christianity, bringing up these alternate worldviews, bringing up all these things that, that could trip them up later, but bringing them up in the safety of your home first to where the first time they heard this was from their parents. Because later on when people are accusing them, well, you know, you were in religion, they try to hide all these questions. They're going to be like, they never tried to hide it from me. My parents would ask me this question. And it, it takes some of the sting out of hearing it later. I guarantee you want them hearing it from you first, uh, right before you refute it. And uh, so sometimes it's going to take, be like, okay, what's our question of the week? And uh, if you don't know the answer, well, I guess tomorrow's a pizza night. We're all going to research together. And it <laughs> just kind of gives you something to do like that. But um, yeah, I would compare it to that you want, you want them to hear it earlier rather than later, just because kind of like in biological systems, the more things that children are exposed to in terms of like um, uh, bacteria and, and just things in foreign invaders into their bodies, 
their bodies actually create what, what are called antibodies, which are kind of like a glove, glove in hand or a lock and key, where each one of our antibodies is targeted towards one specific invader. And when they're in, when they encounter that, their body knows, okay, I'm going to encounter this in the future. I need to create an army of these antibodies just in case I encounter mm -hmm. this again in the future. And the same is true with ideas, that if we uh, kind of give them kind of the smaller doses of these ideas, their brain's going to start formulating answers to that. So when they hear it in the future, they already have responses to it. And it's not something where they're just flooded with all this information that they've never thought about before. That is so good. Like, I am loving that so much. So I have to tell you a fun, funny story, then we're going to wrap it up. Because, uh, I mean, I could just talk to you all day, but we're going to have to wrap yeah. it up. But if, the funny story is when we adopted um, our girls from foster care, they were going to public school. Like when, when they were in foster care, we could not homeschool them. And I'd never had kids in public school before. Well, two of them were in sixth grade, they're twins. And they went to school. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my goodness, what are they going to learn in science? Like all of a sudden, I'm stressed out because before I always picked their science curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so like this was one of the very first things when they got in the car, I'm like, what are you going to be learning in science? I need to see your science book. And they go, oh, mom, the teacher stood up there and said, I believe in the Bible. I believe in biblical creation. I believe God is our creator. I'm going to teach you these things in the book, but I just want you to know before we get started where I stand. And I'm like, oh, that is so amazing. How long ago was this? I'm like, how did she not get fired no. for this? Like, how long it ago was, was this? It was like three years ago, wow. but we're in the South. Like, we're in near Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, okay. So, so you can get away with more in the South. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, too. I'm like, first of all, I don't believe that she stood up and said that. And so it was really good because throughout the year, and they were only there six months as soon as the adoption was final, I like unenrolled them and they were homeschooling. But whenever they had a question about what was in the book, they could, of course, come to John and I, but also can go to that teacher, which was just amazing. Oh, I'm like, thank you, God, yeah. for having that woman in the school that stood up to that. I do, I do know that other teachers who uh, are other parents whose kids were atheists or they were atheists did go and have problems and talk to the teacher. Yeah, probably complain. I don't know what happened to that, but we were just like, yes, thank you. This is awesome. Yeah. So we love that so much. But like you said, that, I mean, that is so rare and uh, only in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas <laughs> will in the South, will you get that kind of thing. But I love what you said about preparing them ahead of time and having these conversations at home before they hear them at school or other places. This is so good. And I am loving this book. I'm going to dig in more. I'm super excited to share it with my husband too. Um, not only Mama Bear, we're going to have Papa Bear over here <laughs> um, preparing our We've kids. We've got lots of Papa Bears, so tell him he's in good company. Yeah, I love that. But just um, share some information and we'll have it in the show notes too. But where can people find more information? So if you want to get the book, we uh, we are, of course, on Amazon because everybody's on Amazon. But we're also uh, in Barnes & Noble. We're, um, I think, Target Online. And Christian Book Distributors is going to be having a big sale coming up uh, in September. So you can keep your eye peeled for that. Actually, Amazon right now, I don't know when this is going to air. Amazon right now is having a pretty good sale and then uh, Christian Book Distributors is going to have a really great one, um, probably mid-September. So I would take a look at that. Uh, in terms of our website, we're at www.mamabearapologetics.com. And that's mama spelled M-A-M-A. -M -A. I've gotten a thousand and one different spellings of mama <laughs> from people. I was like, wow, that one's really creative. Um, so yeah, it's just M-A-M-A. -M -A bearapologetics.com. And so you can contact us through there. We have podcasts on there. We have what I call a blog cast, which is basically 
if you don't have time to read, we'll read some blogs to you so that you can still feel like you're you're not getting a discussion, but you're just kind of getting a blog being read to you. And then we just have different articles that come out. And uh, yeah. And we're on Facebook as well and Twitter. And someone just forced me to get an Instagram. So I'm trying to learn how to do that. But uh Oh, Instagram is the best. I, I love I have, I have started really loving it too. It's like, I, I really do like the pictures on there, but it's it's a lot to keep up with. So I'm trying to get some help with that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then also, they, well, they have IGTV where you can actually read the blog post. You know, you have a little video, but read the blog, blog post. And, and the, the videos on there get a lot of um, good traffic. So I think that'd be great for you. Yeah. Let me just tell you. I will keep that in my back <laughs> pocket. Tell you how it is. I know PragerU does that. It's like I always see PragerU videos on there. Yeah, it's great. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for being here. I am super excited like um, to just get to know you. And I'm so glad that this book came across my desk. And I know that it's going to be a blessing to me and my kids. So thank you so oh, much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sli- excited to hear. Uh, get back in contact with me when you're done and just tell me about some of the conversations you and your kids have been able to have. <laughs> I for sure will. Thank you. Welcome. Okay, wasn't that so good? And I know I am just inspired even more to prepare my kids for the future they have to face, for the future that is going to try to make them feel like they are foolish for believing in God. And instead, we can prepare them to know how to stand up for what they believe. Um, We're going to go to the walk it out verse today. And this is a little bit longer than usual. So it's the walk it out verses, but I think this is so important. So um, today the walk it out verses are second Corinthians 10, one through six and bear with me while I read this whole section. It's from the NIV version. It says by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you in a way, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. And I just want to go back to that one section. That's um, 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6, and um, that's in the NIV version. But let me go back to this, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to, to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I love that we take captive every thought. The battle is this, the strongholds that we're demolishing um, are setting themselves up against the knowledge of God. And this is not just a faith issue, have enough faith and everything will work out good, but it is, we can train our kids to be knowledgeable when they have these conversations with college professors, with people in the workplace of what the Bible means and does it conflict with conflict with science and 
all these things, we can train our kids to be knowledgeable and to demolish arguments and that go against the knowledge of God. So I think this is so important. So I'm going to be just praying um, for all of us right now. Dear God, there is a world out there that wants to assault our thoughts, our beliefs, our knowledge, our faith. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us be mama bears, like Hillary was talking about, that we will be mama bears who will be willing to not only stand up for what we believe, but train our children to do the same and not doing it in a in a wishy-washy way, but have a strong foundation of faith. So when they go into the world, they will be knowledgeable of how to respond to all these things. And I'm so thankful that Hillary provided this resource, Lord, that um, I know I will be going through it step-by-step, page-by-page of how to prepare my kids, but just that you will give all of us the desire to spend the time necessary. We spend a lot of time going on family vacations and having fun weekends and making sure our kids have memories that um, that they can hold on to, which is important, God. But I pray that you will help us to also give them a firm foundation to know that the word of God is solid, is something we can stand on, is knowledgeable, and that can impact every area of our lives. I pray for um, a blessing on Hillary's ministry, Lord, and also that you will just help everyone out there listening. Maybe they don't have children, Lord, that you will just give them someone in their life that they can share your truth and knowledge with. Um, Thank you, God, so much for just the foundation um, from the people that you've put in my life who would help me with that from Sunday school teachers to um, Sunday school teachers as adults that have helped me and guided me and resources like this book. I pray that um, you may be glorified in all of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much. Um, I just know that you will be encouraged. Be sure to check again. Check out the book, Mama Bear Apologetics, Empowering Your Kids to Challenge Cultural Lies by Hillary Morgan Furr. And um, again, all the resources will be listed on my podcast. You can search for walkitoutpodcast.com. You will see all the podcasts, all the show notes, everything we talk about, the links will be there. Um, And I just pray that you will be encouraged by that. I would love if you would share this with a friend. Um, Share it with your homeschool group. Take the link, post it on Facebook and said, okay, mama bears, time to join together. Time to start training up our kids and create a group that can support each other, but also just share the podcast. I love it when I hear people, I had someone just today said, I shared it with five friends because the message that you, that was your guest shared was so meaningful. And that's why I do it. That's why I um, take the time step away from my busy life, my kids, so that you may be encouraged, so that you may be equipped, so that you may be inspired. So be sure to share it. If you have any thoughts or questions, you could always email me at hello at trishagoyer.com. I would love to connect with you. And if you have an extra minute, you can make an extra minute to um, go over to iTunes, leave a review that just helps more people to discover the Walk It Out podcast. But thank you, friend, for Um, just your support, whether it's the first time that you've tuned in, or maybe you've hit every episode, which that would be amazing. But thank you so much for tuning in. And I pray that you will have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. 
If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.